Good morning. Go ahead and grab a seat. Make yourself comfortable. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate that. And congratulations for making it here. You made it to the finish line of 2020. This is the last Sunday we will have in this year. <laughs> and you made it against the odds too, right? I don't know if y'all heard, but there's a virus and there's ice outside and people are out of town and it's just an odd week and you made it. You're here. Thanks for coming. This, this week, um, the last week of the year and the first week of the year are my two favorite weeks in the calendar year and that's because I'm weird. But I do love finishing something that is big and starting something that is big. I actually like these two weeks more than I do Christmas or Easter. These are, are, are some of my more favorite weeks in the year. So if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter is going to be helpful for us today. It's going to show us a little glimpse of the gospel. And it's also going to help us kind of peer into the next year. It's going to be the passage that we spend the most amount of time on today. We are in between series right now. So if you are kind of newish here or you're watching and you've been watching sporadically, um, we just finished uh, Advent, and before that, we spent a good long time looking through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to start a new series when the new year turns over, but we have this brief moment, this threshold in the year that I'm excited about. And this is the word of the Lord for us today in 2 Peter 1, verse 5. He says, for this very reason, and the reason he's talking about, by the way, is uh, God's call, his election and his love and his grace towards us. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind and having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Okay, as, as the odometer turns over and we march into a new year, I want to spend a little bit of time with you looking into 2021. Okay, just a little bit of time. I am going to ask one big question that I want you to be thinking on for the next 30 minutes. And that is, what is growth going to look like for you in this next year? What is growth going to look like? How are you going to make every effort to increase in 2021? Right. Listen, I'm big on growth plans. I'm very big on strategies for growing. I'm very big on resolutions. My closer friends know this about me. Right now in my office, my whiteboard is full of dreams that become plans, that become hard strategies, that become pieces of my calendar throughout the year. I'm really, really big on this. But I also know that the strategies and the plans that I'm building now are not really going to end as I think they're going to in my mind's eye. They never really finish as they start our best plans, right? I mean, I'll spend weeks doing this, dreaming, planning, scribbling things down, erasing them, doing it all over again. Not just for me or my family, but also for this church, for Legacy Church. And yet I know it's unlikely that most of the plans are going to make it all the way to the finish line. It's probably the same for you, if we're all being honest. I mean, sometimes my plans don't work because they were dumb plans. 
<laughs> I didn't do a very good job of planning them. They, you couldn't execute some of them. I look back on resolutions from 2020, and I scratch my head, and I think, what was I even thinking? Like, I wrote that down. I really thought that that was going to happen. I wasn't even close to that ever happening. What was I thinking? Sometimes a problem shows up that I didn't see, a tragedy. Maybe this is like your life as well. Is this not what the pandemic has done to everybody's well-laid plans? But it doesn't have to be a pandemic. It could be a death. It could be losing a job. It could be some sort of a tragedy that will take a plan that was well thought through, a plan that was noble, prayed through, brilliantly put together, able to be executed, and you don't even get to use it. You don't even get to use it. Often, the Lord just sees fit to do something else with our plans. Our plan doesn't match his plan. His plan was different. This is what we read in Proverbs 16.9 where he says, The heart of man's plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Or three chapters later in Proverbs 19, Many are the plans and the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. By the way, right here, this is not the Lord telling us not to plan. Because I know that's, as a, as a young Christian, I would read something like this and I would think, man, why even plan then? I mean, why take the time to sit down and scribble out a strategy or look at your calendar or put some resolutions together if God's just going to do as God sees fit? But he's not telling us not to plan. He's telling us to do so with humility, that we submit our plans and trust that God is going to do as he sees best. So we work hard at our strategies and our dreams and we kind of hold them openly before him. This is what I believe planning with faith means, right? Planning with faith. Because we're basically submitting our well-laid plans with trust that God is going to do what he sees fit for his glory and for our ultimate good. And this is important for us as we kind of peer into the unknown fog of 2021. And listen, don't let anyone tell you that they know exactly how it's going to roll out. We don't. We don't know what's going to happen in this next year. We don't know what the markets, we don't know what the masks. We have no idea what's going to happen in the next year. But we can still plan our steps knowing, submitting, trusting that God is going to establish where we put our feet. This is the attitude, I believe, behind Jesus teaching us how to pray when he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a prayer. We're not pleading that God would have his will done here. His will will be done. We're acknowledging. We're submitting to the fact that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But failing to plan, failing to strategize, failing to do this, is going to be failing to grow. Making every effort has planning implicit in it. To make every effort to increase and to bear fruit has strategy baked into it. So if you want to grow in the year 2021, it's going to require a plan. It's going to require a strategy. Listen, it's going to require a plan with courage and a plan with faith in it. Listen, when I, was a, when I was in college, I worked a lot of my way through college as a personal trainer, and I knew very little. I knew that Pearl Jam was better than Soundgarden. I learned and knew that you could take more creatine than what the label says. <laughs> I learned where all the best dollar meals were. I knew where all the speed traps were. That was the kind of knowledge I had in college, right? I didn't have the best knowledge, but I did know two things as a person who worked in the gym day in and day out. There were two kinds of people that walked into the gym, those who had a plan and those who made it up as they walked in the door. 
right? Because I made really good money on the people that would come without a plan. They would all do the same thing. They would show up and they would make a lot of effort, lots of reps, lots of weight, but always in the wrong directions, right? Big chest, little legs. Big legs, little chest. It was just good effort spent, but always in some asymmetrical or weird direction. And that's why they didn't know where the cardio equipment was whenever I took them on as a client. They didn't know where the core equipment was, but then they would be really upset that they didn't have a six-pack they would be really upset that they didn't look like they wanted to look. Many of us handle our lives in the same way. We just live accidentally. We make up the script as we go on, not making efforts in the right directions, to bear fruit in the right directions, and then upset that our life is not what we want our life to be, or as he says, increasing in fruit. Here is my big concern over 2021 just between you and me. My big concern is that COVID is going to provide some cover for people just to take a gap year in their growth as a disciple, just to take the year off, to try to do this thing called hovering, not really applying themselves in solid directions for solid fruit, but just kind of sitting in neutral, not wanting to make every effort unless the year is a normal year. And we can all agree we're not in normal years. Let me just say, the church has historically expanded in fruitfulness in odd years, under tyrants, with plagues, in wars, under heavy persecution. That's when the church has traditionally thrived and grown. I'm just concerned that many aren't going to press forward towards the goal as they throw off everything that slows them down and hinders them. And they're going to blame it on a virus. I'm concerned that many people are waiting for an easier time to do very hard work, which doesn't make any sense. Listen, if you're tempted to do that, by the way, if you get to this part of the year and you're normally one for strategizing or planning or looking to what growth will look like for you in this next year, and you're kind of not doing it this year because you're scared of what the year is going to look like, let me just warn you, it's not like you're going to sit in neutral or hover at the same altitude. If you are not growing, you are decreasing. If you're not increasing in your ability to bear fruit, you are decreasing. There is no neutral. There is no being still. If you're just living accidentally, you are crashing. Friends, this is a high-value topic because the next year looks like it's going to have a lot of this year in it. So, of course, planning sounds dumb. It sounds dumb to do this. I mean, on March 14th, as a leadership team, we deleted the budget. We deleted our goals for the year, our preaching calendar, because those were worthless documents before April even came. They were worthless. Our staff roles changed radically. Our priorities changed quickly. Our rhythms changed. All of those 2019 dream sessions and strategy sessions, they didn't even get off the ground. They didn't even get a chance, right? And yet you are finding us still today planning deeply for 2021, for COVID round two. We're still planning, and this is why. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel, if you can, chapter 10. And if you're not able to get there quickly, we'll, we'll always throw it up on the screen. I just think it's better to look at it in your own Bible. And this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's a little bit of a life verse for me, probably in the top 10 for sure. I'm not going to get to teach the whole thing. But this is a beautiful moment where Joab is addressing people who are fearful all right, and if you're not familiar with who Joab is, he was like the Secretary of Defense for David, his first 
secretary of defense. He was the general of all the generals. He was a brilliant strategist. When it came to strategies and disciplined plans, you weren't going to beat this guy. And there was always a lot on the line. He was a master at what he did. And he shows up to this battle and things are not looking like he thought they were going to look. So he had hit delete on his brilliantly laid out battle plan. Verse 9 in 2 Samuel 10, when Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in the charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I'll come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. I think the reason I love this passage in this last week of a very dark and difficult year is it shares all of the elements that we have with us today. Again, your Bible is a living word. It's a living word. <laughs> it's 3,000-year-old speech I just read to you. And yet, I needed to hear it today. They had to build a new plan and strategy because the one that they did at home didn't work when they got out to the battle. They had to change it. They had to be fluid, just like us. Their new strategy required courage. Courage to execute it because it was against all the odds and the odds were getting worse and there was a lot on the line. Just like us. Their new strategy was embedded with faith. Not faith in the plan, but faith that God was going to do as he saw fit. Those are his words. Pro tip, your best growth is going to come from an open-handed plan before God that requires great courage. Great courage. Your best growth is going to come from an open-handed plan with courage and faith cooked into it. Listen, if you're not used to, side, if you're not used to building plans or strategies or resolutions, whatever you want to call them, if you're not good at it, you don't have any experience in it, it's something that you've thought about doing, but you don't know how to do it, we're obviously not going to talk about it from up here. I don't have that much time. But I, I have a blog on the website where I do go item by item on, this is just the way to build a resolution that's going to succeed. One that has a good chance of success. So you should go to that. And if you're watching online, the link is in the description of the video to this blog item. And it's been very helpful for me in past years. But this is why this is such a big deal for us. Because courageous planning with an open hand that is a primary means of management. You can't manage what you don't plan. But we are called to manage, to steward what doesn't even belong to us, what God owns. Accidental living, living without a plan, that is for sure going to lead to a life of mismanagement. And I, I could argue theft at that point. Theft. This is what I mean. Psalm 24. Verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth, the earth, the cosmos, all of creation belongs to the Lord. That means he holds the deed to your kids. He holds the deed to your dreams, to your heartbeat, to your time and your space and your energy. He owns it. 
None of it belongs to us. And we are to manage these things for his glory, which is where we will find our deepest good. They're in the same place. This is why Peter says in 1 Peter 4, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I mean, when I'm done here in a few minutes, they're going to come up on stage and they're going to lead in worship and they're gifted. But guess what? That gift does not belong to them. God gave it to them to manage. Any abilities I have to lead, these aren't things that I own. It's just something I manage. God owns it. My time, my money, my kids, my marriage. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, this is how one should regard us. As servants of Christ and stewards, stewards, same thing as managers, of God's, or let me read this, of the mysteries of God. Now when he says the mysteries of God, he's talking about the truth and the gospel, the reality, the theology of God. Moreover, he says, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So Paul didn't see himself as an owner of even the very truth and the gospel that he would preach, but actually a manager. So his time was spent managing what God owned for God's glory and for his good. Failure to plan how we will make every effort will have us growing in the wrong direction. Here's the big question. Where are you not increasing like you want, yet you don't have a plan? Where is that for you? Where are you not increasing and yet planless? No strategy. I tell you, I run into this mostly with young men. I know women struggle with this, but it's mostly young men I hear it from. And that's that they struggle with reading. They have a low Bible IQ. They might have a couple books on their shelf that they got whenever they were, you know, gifts from high school graduation or something. But they're not great readers. They want to be a good reader. They've met good readers, but they don't have a plan. Well, if you want to be a good reader of any kind, whether it's your, your biblical IQ raising or just reading books, what, what is your plan? And a lot of times I'll hear, I don't have one. I guess read, I guess. Read is my plan. That's accidental living. That's not, that's not a very good plan. Or addicts. If you run into someone who has a pervasive addiction, they just can't put something down. They keep picking it back up. And they, they have this wish that they could be done with the addiction. And you ask them, what is your plan? What are some of your plans to put it down? I don't know. Just try harder, I guess. That's not a plan. That's not a strategy at all. For those of us who struggle with our marriages, what is your plan? If, you're, if your marriage is not increasing in fruit, if it's not growing, what is your plan to see that change? If your answer is be better, I guess, that's not a plan. That's accidental living. The old French saying, a goal without a plan is just a wish. That's true. Planning is valuable. Listen, blame it on COVID all you want. Blame it on your kids, blame it on your health, blame it on your busy schedule, but a virus did not wreck your growth plans. A virus didn't do that. It just exposed maybe a lack of faith and a lack of courage and a lack of plan and a lack of execution. But I think one thing we can all agree on, whether you're really good at plans or really poor at plans, is that they're hard to execute. Planning is hard. Executing the plan is just as hard, right? And it's because we're taming chaos when we do that. I want you to think about what it is to execute a plan, to achieve a goal, to build a strategy, and to, to walk through the strategy. We are, in fact, ordering what is disordered. 
And Genesis will tell us that that's going to come through trial and tears and deep sacrifice. This is what you'll find in Genesis 3. Go and read Genesis 3 when you have time. God doesn't say that Adam is not going to increase. God does not say that that there's not going to be fruit come from the land. He says you'll get it, but it's going to come through effort. Trials and tears and thorns and thistles. It will be through sweat that he will increase. Adam could no longer just swagger around and pluck stuff off the trees while all the animals were his best friends. That wasn't going to happen anymore, right? He's going to have sunburns now. He can't pet the snakes anymore. He's going to start fighting with his wife out of nowhere. Things were going to be hard. Effort was going to be hard now. Building families would be hard. That's why he would have division in his families, unforgiveness in his family. There would be murder in his family. And then as they grew, they would build cities. But they would use broken bricks and broken laws. It's going to require a lot of effort. There, there would be businesses in these cities, but they would fail. They would steal. Making every effort now because of the fall, it means moving uphill because effort is no longer easy. No longer. To take dominion over chaos, we will need a plan. But I think we can all admit not all of our plans succeed anymore. Not anymore. In fact, all of our strategies to solve our biggest problems, without God, they come to absolutely nothing. This is why you can't fix anxiety without God. Your broken marriage, that's a problem, a big problem. And your strategies will come to nothing without God. Unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. You could build strategies. You could read books. Without the Lord, it will come to nothing. Your best well-laid plans will fail. Even mankind's biggest dilemma, the God problem, the separation we had with God and with each other comes to absolutely nothing without God fixing it for us. I mean, is this not, if you zoom out for a moment, this is, is this not what the Old Testament is about? The Old Testament is largely, if you zoom out, mankind trying to roll up his own sleeves and fix our God problem without God. Using the law to be perfect and righteous and moral, but then that doesn't work. So we get judges to come in and rule and create an upright and moral people that are pleasing before God, and that doesn't work. So we get rid of the judges, and then we get kings to do the same thing, and then that doesn't work. Our biggest chaos is our separation with God, and it refuses to be ordered. So what does God do? Before time began, he built a strategy that would never fail. He would build a plan. He would construct a resolution that would never fail. He'd make every effort where we would not to fix problems that we could not because of all our best efforts are failed from the beginning. And Jesus was the centerpiece of this strategy and this plan. Who would enter, as we've just celebrated for the last four weeks in Advent, who would enter and be this peacemaker in our biggest dilemma, our God problem. And he would remove the separation that we had. He would build what we could not. He would remove shame where we could not. He would grant forgiveness where we could not. He would fix our ultimate God problem. You see, it's good for us to all acknowledge that God's plans are better than our plans. His plans are better. 
God doing as he sees fit. And this moment in the gospel was for his deepest glory and overwhelmingly it was for your deepest good. He would do all the work and he would commit all of the effort. He would make every effort because we simply could not. That's the big picture. But as you zoom in, what on earth does any of that have to do with making a plan in 2021, right? Here's the truth. When we're too lazy to plan or too accidental in our living to plan, increase in the right directions, it's going to reveal a gospel-level fracture for all of us. Shows that we're ruled by our flesh. And we're not free from the power of the flesh after all. I mean, that's what we say because we're Christians and that's what we're supposed to say. That the blood of Jesus removed us from the slavery of what the flesh tells us what to do. But when we make every effort in the wrong directions or we listen to the flesh tell us where to make every effort, then we're showing that we're really not all that free from the flesh at all. It's just something we say with our mouth. So we build and we make every effort, but we do it in weird directions, odd directions. Businesses might grow. Our hobbies might grow, our influence might grow, our free time might grow. And yet, we know God less than we did last year. We don't grasp the sense of intimacy that we think other people have, but we suspect that we'll never get. And yet we know it comes by effort. We're busy with many things, as Jesus tells Martha. And we've given up the most valuable thing, which is sitting at his feet and receiving straight from him. So we find ourselves dry, dead, routine. We've had better years behind us when it comes to this, this intimacy. Sure, the external things in our life have grown, but not the most valuable thing. Friends, listen, this requires repentance, not just planning. Writing a plan doesn't take any courage at all. Turning from the flesh and its demands for us to make every effort, that takes courage. Saying no to things that we've always said yes to, that takes courage. Listen, if you read that blog or not, that's up to you, but here's some big questions that should rattle around in your head as you're even thinking about planning for the next year. When you're thinking about how you might make every effort next year, how you might grow and what it will look like. Does that plan stretch you? Ask yourself that question. Will it stretch you? Will it fail unless God moves? Will it require you to be dependent upon God? Does it confront your flesh? Here's my favorite question, and we'll zoom in on it. Does this plan require me to put some things down? I've had to ask that question a lot this last week because there's a lot of things I want to do, but it means adding. What do I need to put down, right? Does this plan require me to put something down? To grow, you're going to need to cut some things off and say no to what you've traditionally said yes to. You'll need to do what Jean Fleming calls pruning the tree. This is how she says it. Even with special care, activity branches multiply. Soon the profusion of branches becomes more prominent than the trunk and limbs. When this happens, I feel trapped, frustrated, and empty. Why? Because my life is shaped and drained by activities that have lost their pertinence to Christ. I hear many don't grow because they cannot put stuff down. They can't say no. They've lost their margin. They are drained because of the activities around them. 
That's why a lot of our calendars, they die a death from a thousand cuts. Overbloated. This is the American, average American family. We're so bloated with activity. We have so many activity branches in her words that whenever I say word, like phrases like grow or change or strategy or plan, you immediately get stressed out because you think I'm talking about adding things. When in fact, I'm talking about subtraction every bit as much as I am addition. I'm talking about restructuring so that we are doing what she calls is pertinent to Christ. To grow in 2021, you will need to prune in 2021. And that's going to hurt. Samuel Chan says in his book, Leadership Pain, it's a very helpful book for me. He says, there is no growth without change, no change without loss, and no loss without pain. You will grow only to the threshold of your pain. Pain is a part of progress. If I avoid all pain, I am avoiding growth. That's valuable for us in what we're talking about right here. And listen, this requires reflection on why it hurts to put things down, right? Why is that thing so hard for you to say no to? Why? Not what. It's easy for us to see what is hard to put down. Why is it hard to put down? Maybe for you, you want to read more. We'll say you want to read more or pray more or fill in the blank more, right? but it means that you're going to have to be on the phone 22 minutes less every day. I get that that hurts. Why does it hurt? What are you losing? What is the flesh not getting anymore? Why is it demanding that time back? Changing how you spend your money and your energy and your time, that's not going to come naturally. It will fight you back. It too has thorns and thistles. Right? So your plan ought to have a one-to-one -one ratio of deleting things whenever you're adding things. Because adding more spiritual disciplines like Bible reading or prayer or journaling, that's going to mean you've got to put something down. If you want to add community to your life, our community rhythms, our missional community, if you want to do that, you're going to have to say no to some things that you traditionally said yes to. If you're going to be generous with your finances, that means you're going to have to say no to things. All of this takes courage. This is what takes courage in our planning. So how will you make every effort to develop faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love? Because hear me, if you do nothing, you will be ineffective and unfruitful in 2021. You will be. You will live accidentally. You will not grow you will shrink. This we know. You might be busy, but it will be in the wrong directions. Always static, always wishing you were in a different place, and never, ever getting there. Friends, listen, if you're without Christ here, or you're watching and you are without Christ, you, you can grow without a plan. I've seen people grow businesses without a sturdy plan. Grow wealth without much of a plan. Grow in all, area, all areas without much of a plan. But even, even the Bible says you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. If you hear anything today, I want you to hear that maybe, maybe God's plan for you is what you 
what you need to consider repenting and following rather than the plan you've built for your own life. Because even if you've built a plan for your own life and you are growing and you are increasing and you are like a rocket straight up, it does not mean that you're not losing your own soul. If you hear anything, I want you to hear that God has made a plan since before time began. It's because our plans for our biggest problems, not building businesses or families, but our biggest problem, our God problem, was solved by him and not us. And for those of us who are in Christ, the best news ever is when you fail to grow like you want this next year, when you fail, when you fail to plan and when you fail to execute that plan, you will find me with you. I'll be there with my own share of failures. And here's the gospel for us. God's love and approval and secure hold on us does not slip if we fail in our plans. If you fail at planning this next year and you fail at executing your plan this next year, he does not bump you to JV. This gospel is perfect for those of us who fail at our best well-laid strategies. I'm already two-thirds done with my hopes and goals for this next year. I'll probably finish it this week. I usually spend the last two to three weeks doing it. And I already know that many of them are not going to work as I've written them out. Usually around July, I go back and revisit them and rewrite some of them. But I'm going to tell you right now, some of them are going to fail. I'll be straight up too lazy to do some of them. I'll lack courage to finish some of them. And even if I fail in all of them, God will not leave me. If I have an ineffective, unfruitful year this next year and I don't grow an inch, God will not leave me. He won't look at me differently. He won't forsake me. And if you make every effort this year and you memorize the entire Bible and you pray every day without ceasing and you give away all of your money and you reach all of your neighbors for Christ and you never cuss, <laughs> if you have like a perfect year, God will not see you more favorably than he does now. That's the best part about his best plan. His best strategy for us removes us becoming righteous because of our plans and strategies. So you're free to fail and you're free to succeed. You're free to be courageous. You're free to plan. You're free to, to trust that God is going to do as he sees fit. You're free to do it all. So let me pray for you. Go ahead and stand with me, and I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to finish this part of the service out, and then the team will come back up and lead us in worship for just a little bit. And if I could get somebody, can, can somebody go back? You got it. Thank you. You read my mind. I actually need one too, Sean. We're going to take communion together as a church. And listen, if you're a Christian, and you don't even have to be a part of legacy, but if you would call yourself a Christian, know yourself to be one with Christ, we invite you to take this communion with us. Um, friends, listen, if you're not a Christian, don't worry about this part. I, I would just, I would ask you and submit to you that you would consider taking Christ, trusting in his plan, how he made every great effort for you. And taking him instead of these elements. This is something that we do as a church, like many churches, that is emblematic. as part of our liturgy here. Thanks, bud. Um, all right. But because of COVID, we don't have the, the elements in the back. We're going to take it through these cups at this time. So let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you for being good and sweet and kind to us. And this plan, this beautiful plan 
required effort. And you are the one that made the effort. Your plan only works if Jesus' body is broken on the cross. Without that aspect, your plan fails. And then our God problem stays a problem. But you did as you saw fit, and your body was cracked on the cross. So we take this bread in remembrance of a body broken for us. And so, Father, your effort, your effort towards us, your movement in our direction is what we trust in. We trust that you do as you see fit, and that's good for us. That doesn't just glorify you, it's good for us as well. And those two things are found in the same place, your deepest glory and our deepest joy, simultaneously. And so, Lord, as the, as the blood was spilt to cover our sins, to remove the slavery of the flesh, it, as that was done, that was part of your plan, as you made every effort towards us. So as we take this juice, we do so knowing that it removes, it's emblematic of the blood removing us from the slavery that the flesh demands. And so Father, I pray for those who are listening, who have no relationship with you, that they would see that their plans have come to failure. Even if they have businesses and houses and an education and all the things that their plans carried out, that they saw increase from, that they have in fact gained the whole world and have lost. That, they're, that, the, that the plan that they had in mind for their biggest problem will always come to nothing without you interceding for us. If the law and judges and kings could not fix this, then no strategy that mankind, there's no amount of us rolling our sleeves up to fix our own issues every effort we could make would come up short. Lord, that you would change our hearts for those who are listening, who are far from you, that you would change hearts. That people would not just see your plan, the gospel, but they would trust in it. That they would lay their plans at your feet. The flesh's demands at your feet. Their deepest treasures at your feet. You turned hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, and they would respond and call you king, majestic Lord. And for the rest of us, Father, that this, a sermon like this doesn't just provoke a room full of resolutions. Again, that doesn't take any courage. But Lord, repentance, that this would provoke all of us to say, why are some things so hard for me to put down? Why have I just obeyed everything the flesh has told me to do? Why is this such a hard ship for me? Why do my plans always fail? What, what is it? What is it in this thing I can't put down? What is it meeting that I just don't see God sufficient for? Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would change our hearts, that we in this year, whatever 2021 looks like, would make every effort to grow in the shape of Christ, that we would increase in fruit. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray and we 
take communion and we sing, we worship in your name. Amen.